Mr. Bihar, do you affirm that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Thank you. Can you tell us your full name, where you're from, and your occupation? Uh, Joe Bahar. I'm from Bayvert, New Brunswick, and I'm a civil servant in the federal government. And how long have you worked for the federal government? 20 years. The same department, or moved around? Um, I did one brief stint in another department just during COVID. So primarily in the same department? Yes. And you were in this position in 2020, 2021? Mm-hmm. Yes. And how would you describe your experience working there prior to the pandemic, sort of up to that point? It was positive. You know, I, I enjoyed my job. I had um, become a manager in, uh, in my department and um, built up some good relationships, both with colleagues and with clients. So it was, uh, it was very uh, positive. And in 2020, as you began to hear about COVID-19, were you concerned? With COVID, mm-hmm. no, not again, not for myself. Uh, maybe, maybe for uh, others uh, like my wife and my 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 mom, but uh, not overly concerned. No. So, when the vaccines became available, did you take one? No. At what point did you realize that your decision not to take the vaccine might cause problems for you? I didn't uh, right up until the time that I was put on leave without pay. I didn't. I didn't believe that um, that that I couldn't believe that anything would be done. That I would that I would be you know negatively impacted. I I did see that there was a lot of negative uh, stuff in the media and in, and even in personal interactions that I'd had, but. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, that I didn't think I'd lose my job. <laughs> and do you recall when the federal government announced the uh, mandates for federal workers? So uh, I think I, re- I remember, I remember my wife saying she'd read something in the paper about, you know, this being um, talked about sometime in September, I guess, or so of 2021, maybe October. I don't remember when the election was at that time, sort of right after the election. And I remember saying to her, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, we, I've got a union, and we have courts in this country. We've got a charter of rights. There's, they can't do that. So you weren't concerned? Not really. Not at first. Not when I heard that, no. And the time that they officially announced the mandate, were you working in the office? Um, at, no. At that point, nobody was. We were all... Um, well, and at that point, I was on a secondment agreement with another department, and the office was in Dartmouth, and I was and I was in Bay Verde, so it's a two-hour drive away. So there was never a question of being in an office. We were all working remotely at that point. And did you inquire as to whether you'd still be subject to the mandate, even though you were not going into the office? Uh, sorry? sorry, did you request uh, accommodation on the basis that you were not? going into the office like yes I mean I I I did sort of uh, I did yeah I did say I did make try and make a case that this was not a matter of workplace safety and so there was no rationale for a mandate um, and there was some case law as well by that time 
um, that sort of backed it up, but um, backed up my, my point. But um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect that to, to uh, I didn't expect to be accommodated, but I still made the case. And what was the response? Sorry, this is the policy, um, you know, I can't, you know, there's no accommodation. Had you offered to do anything such as uh, masking when you go in or sure. social distancing? Sure. I mean, I did note that we were working remotely, but if I was required to go in the office, I said, you know, I'll, I'll do tests. I'll, I'll do tests at my own expense. Um, I'll wear a mask, et cetera, everything like that. But, you know, it, what, that wasn't the point of the, of the policy. The point was to try and coerce you into taking the vaccine. So it wasn't about you know, being healthy or being, you know, public health. That wasn't what it was about. So you offered to do testing as well and yeah. still? If I ever had to attend at the office, which, by the way, I never did. So you were ultimately placed on leave without pay? Yes. Um, and can you tell us a bit about the day when you were placed on leave? So on that, so the, the day uh, was um, November 17th, and, and that was to be my last day. And I, um, I remember having, uh, working in the morning, finishing up doing some things, and then sort of leaving or thinking that in the afternoon I would um, take some, you know, correspondence, some personal emails, some phone numbers and contacts off of my, uh, you know, off of my computer and from my files at work um, and so I'd kind of you know planned to do that that's why I didn't do it in the morning because I had other things to do from a work perspective but uh, then when I went to do it I was completely locked out of the system my phone was wiped it was almost like I was cancelled you know so I couldn't get any of those things done I couldn't I didn't have any access to things like my leave balances or uh, even later, any of the HR stuff I needed, like a, you know, T4s, stuff like that. So they had locked you out before yeah. you had even left. But they, they did it in such a way it was very kind of preemptive. Like it didn't even wait till the end of the day, which I assumed I had till, you know, the end of the day, which would be, would have been 4 o'clock. So um, it, 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 very, it felt very punitive, felt very punitive that, that, that it was done in that fashion. And how were you feeling that day, that night, after you know being placed on leave from this job you'd been working at for 20 years? I mean, you know, again, like I said, I didn't believe it would happen until it would ha until it happened, and people were telling me too, "Oh, there's no way they can do that. Don't worry, it's not going to happen." The, the, you know, um, but I by then I was sort of, you know, thought that it would happen. So it felt very. It felt real when it did happen. In sort of aftermath, it was quite. It was probably, uh, you know, the most shocking day that it, that you know, to realize that it, I was in fact you know, left without pay, <laughs> um, and just at that time of year too. And are you unionized? How do you mean? Do you have a union, sir? Oh yes, yeah. yes. Sorry, I thought you said something else. No. And had you did you talk to your union about filing a grievance? Yes. Yeah, so at first, the union declined to, um, so, you know, represent people like me. Um, they said they were in agreement with the policy, but 
a bit after that, there there were a few, as I said, a few cases that came through in the courts that basically sort of said, you know, workers were uh, working from home. It wasn't, it you know, it wasn't right that they be um, subject to a mandate um, that the employer didn't own them, you know, and and you know you didn't sign away your your rights when you've signed a labor contract. So the union kind of changed its mind and said it would represent us on a case-by-case -case basis and I filed a grievance at that time against the policy. So that would have been early December. And have you had any results from your grievance? No and it's been over a year obviously. Um, everybody is dragging their heels on it even though the collective agreement has set time lim limits for responding to first, second and third level grievances. They didn't respond, they still haven't responded to the third level grievance and I kind of didn't expect anything from those grievances. I wanted to take this to a labor relations board and but the process is that you had to go through the first stages of grievance. Um, and like I say, the whole process should have lasted, according to the timelines, should have lasted maybe a month and a half or two months. It's, it's been probably 14 months and I still haven't got a response to the third level grievance. So obviously they're trying to sort of drag it out um, and hope that I go away and get tired of it. So when you went on leave, how long did you think you'd be on leave for? Seven months. Or did you, that's what you expected or? Oh, I didn't know how long it would last. I expected that I wouldn't, I expected that that was the end of my job. But I, I kind of, um, as I said, like I didn't, I didn't do anything other than, uh, you know, file the grievance. I didn't quit. Right, right? so you were on leave, you had no, no you didn't, weren't expecting to go back, but you had no idea sort of when you might be able to go back if you wanted to. And you, right. were you receiving any to. pay at this time? No pay or anything like that, no. So did you eventually get any other, uh, have any other income during this time? I did eventually get a job, uh, another job contract, of, like a five month contract with a company in Ontario that, you know, so I worked remotely and um, that was sometime in February. So that was good. It didn't pay as much, but I, I liked the job and I liked the people that I was working with. What would you say the financial impact has been of being sort of off your federal government job? For I mean, leaving aside the fact that I was working at that other job, which kind of defrayed a little bit of the, of the financial impact, um, it was sort of the equivalent of being fined sixty or seventy thousand dollars, right? That was the income that I was that I didn't receive during that time. This alternative job it was significantly less or Yeah, it was less. So I mean that that you know, that put a dent in it. But we went through our savings quite a bit. And also all through the month of November, December of twenty one, January of twenty two, uh, uh um I we were without an income and I, you know, was looking for work but I didn't you know have you know it was hard to find work at that time if you were especially if you were unvaccinated so um, so uh, I didn't know you know that's when we were Not going through our, our savings and did your decision or your views on this matter impact any friendships or uh, relationships with family at this time unfortunately yes it did because as I said some friends were very uh, you know they, they were supportive but others were not, and I can't really 
uh, unsee that now. You know, uh, people people who thought that it was okay for 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 this action to have taken place, and for to me, um, I can't you know I can't forget that they felt that way. And I had some some arguments with family members as well, and that's kind of put a strain on our relationship. Again, like people want to go. People want to get past it now and say, "Oh yeah, that you know that that was then, but get over it." But I I can't unsee what I what I saw. I, yeah. So. And would you say that the passports, the vaccine passports, had any had a significant impact on your life in any way? I mean, it. I wasn't able to uh, easily travel. For example, my mom is is elderly and and not well, and she lives in Ontario, so I couldn't hop on a plane to see her I had to I, I did go by car a few times but that was um, you know there was always there was always the, the worry that you'd get stopped at the provincial border to check your passport and things like that so there was that the inability to travel um, on on you know public transportation um, couldn't visit my um, my daughter who lives in the states um, you know, there was this feeling of social exclusion as well, which was kind of harsh. You're in a small community, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so did you feel the impact within the community? I mean, yes, especially in our local, in the small town that's right near us. Um, you know, there was this one incident where, um, you know, people, you know, my wife was on this uh, group, you know, for the the Green Party, and... She made a point about unvaccinated people being sort of excluded and, you know, how that was, how we should, you know, be, you know, the candidate should be standing up for them as well. And, you know, got, a, got somebody posted, well, you know, Meg, we all know you're unvaccinated. And I saw you at the market the other day with, that, with no mask on. It's an outdoor market. Um, and it's disgusting. <laughs> Which, you know, was quite, um, it's quite hurtful in a small community to have people call you disgusting. So during that time, you're on unpaid leave indefinitely, uh, couldn't visit your, your mother, ostracized by the community. How was your outlook for the future at that time? Yeah, no, I think, you know, that echo what Bliss said, I, I, I just felt a very, I, I felt alarmed at what was happening in our country, and I felt like, um, you know, the fact that seeing people going along with this in a public way, but also what was what the government was being able to do with seemingly no checks from the courts or, you know, the charter didn't seem to matter. Uh, I was alarmed and fairly dark view of what was going on. And I could see that other people were too. The mood uh, in... In, in society in general that I saw was was depressed and um, so I, it was a dark time and I even you know we even talked about like where can we go that's better than than this is there are is there any other place and for the first time ever uh, I, I contemplated leaving my country <laughs> which was which was pretty um, despairing is there anything else you'd like to add Joe no, I mean, just that I, I think uh, that, you know, things, I think that it's great what you guys are doing here, giving people a chance to go on record and say what had happened, because as we, 
as we move on from this, we, we, f we have a risk, we run the risk of forgetting what actually it, how it was, you know, in the darkest time. So it's good, to, it's good to just put it on record and remember. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'll turn it over to the commissioners. Thanks very much. All right.